All right, live for Thousand Oaks, we're back for week 10. The Rams are finally home after a month on the road to Marco Farr and J.B. Long and the head coach, Sean mm-hmm. McVay. Uh, six and two, undefeated on the road. We haven't convened in a while for this uh, occasion because we've been traveling so much and you've been winning so much. Uh, unofficially, I'm calling it the uh, most miles traveled during a three-game road winning streak in NFL history whatever. until proven otherwise, yeah, right? Because it's never it been set up like it's, this. It, 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 felt, it felt good. The players handled it extremely well, really pleased with uh, the maturity that we demonstrated as yeah. a team to be able to handle that because there could be a lot of distractions along the way. A lot of good people set up the schedules in a manner that I think was conducive for the players to be focused and, and kind of peaking at the right times, and I think it showed by the way that they played. And, and now uh, back home and uh, sitting here with you guys. I, I know you have to keep it one game at a time, but and looking back at that schedule and then what you guys did in the last two games in particular – You've got to be a little bit proud or even a lot proud of your squad. I'm very proud of the squad. I, I think the biggest thing, DeMarco, that that we are pleased with is we feel like we put complete games together. You know, I think you look at uh, we've been at times capable of seeing the defense play at a really high level, seeing the offense, seeing the special teams. But I think what the last two games have represented is all three phases playing good football. You know, there's certainly a lot of things that we can clean up and, and can do some things better in all three of those phases. But if you said, are we playing winning football in those games? Uh, we felt like we were in all three phases, and that's why you give yourself a chance to have good performances like we felt like we've had against Arizona and New York. How rare is that, even for good teams, to have it click in all three phases on a given day? Because you're playing against professionals who want to do the exact same thing. The NFL is so competitive, JB, and I think the biggest thing is is our guys have just really, truly kind of taken to that one day at a time and understanding how that approach and that preparation can then lead to playing with a quieted mind and hopefully having a good performance. And I think our coaching staff, you know, you look at the leaders we have on our coaching staff, with John Fossil, Wade Phillips, Matt LaFleur, guys like Aaron Cromer on our offensive staff. We have great guys that have done a great job of putting our players in good spots. And then you got the great players to be able to match it up. And uh, things have gone well these last couple weeks. We talked about it with the team again today. We're 6-2 and two at the halfway point. Who was where at the halfway point last year? Nobody knows because you talk about how you finish. And for us right now, it's about seeing if we can get our seventh win, find a way to win four in a row, and, and get back to winning at home. And, and that's going to be a big goal. And, and we know we've got a tough opponent in the Houston Texans coming here on Sunday. Here's the problem with working with a skill position guy like Maurice Jones-Drew. He's always going to give the skill position guys all the credit. <laughs> so you're in the red zone, and your quarterback has eight seconds to throw the football. I mean – you should throw a touchdown, but that is great protection. Aaron Cromer has done a great job with that group. He's a great coach, and feel very fortunate to be around him. The you know he's made me better as a coach, and you know you just look at the way that he prepares. He's a great communicator. The players understand the nuances of the techniques and the fundamentals that he's looking for, and and then you see it show up. You know our tapes, our resume, and our offensive line is playing extremely efficient football right now. Great communication up front. We're kind of all tied in together, and, and you can see, and that's a big credit to him. Got some great leaders up front. You look at John. Sullivan and Andrew Whitworth, Roger Saffold, and then how you see Jamon Brown and Rob Havenstein continue to play at a really high level. But you're, you're certainly right. I thought it was a great job by Jared buying some time, but he, he did have a lot of time versus that three-man rush to find Higby off schedule, and uh, certainly good players make you look good in those situations. Uh, Sean McVay with us on the Coach McVay Show here from Cal Lutheran, DeMarco Farr, and J.B. Long. Uh, just moments ago you described the Rams group as a connected team that yep. you don't see in the locker room divisions between offense, defense, 
and special teams. And I wonder, you know, a lot of times what you describe as good culture comes from just getting wins, right? It's easy yeah, to be around sure. a team that's winning. It seems like maybe it happened the other way around with this particular group, that there were those bonds, those connections that are maybe producing the wins. You know, you hope so. I think the the thing that has shown up, you know, with our team is we are a mentally tough team. I love the way that we respond from both good and bad. And these eight weeks have represented a chance to, you know, see a lot of different things. And it's part of our journey. You know, each season really represents a journey. I think so often you get caught up in the end result that you don't appreciate the steps and levels to how you got where you are. And, you know, one of the things that we were most proud of as a team when you look back on, you know, just going back from the bye, what we said before this game this past week was – the way they responded after a disappointing loss against Washington, the guys right after the game because we played you know, San Fran on a Thursday, short week, they're immediately doing things with Reggie and, Ch- and Ted and their staffs to immediately recover because it is, uh, you know, everything's accelerated and it, that showed the mental toughness and then it showed with the way that they played. You look at the way we responded from a disappointing Seattle game and that kind of has led to the three games that we've won in a row now and they continue to represent some of the things that we want to embody as a team and we feel like that's going to serve us well. They enjoy being around each other and can't say enough about just having good people that are good football players as well. Uh, and what a joy it is for us as coaches to come to work and, and get a chance to work with these players every day. Well, the question someone asked me was, how do you coach off this when everything you're calling is working? So you look, you score 17 points in your first 20 plays. I said I bet he's more upset with the way they finished the half versus that right there. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, there, yeah. You know, there's always some things that we can clean up. You know, you look at uh, in the red zone, you go four for five, and you think about, you know, the one play where we kind of try to run the, the little flip play to Gerald. It gets a holding, and now you're, self, now you're backed up and, uh, you know, miss on the third down opportunity after we run that kind of that, that hook and ladder to Tavon like we talked about. But it is, uh, you know, there's always things. You know, some third down op- opportunities, you know, some things in the run game where i got to do a better job of putting our offense in some favorable spots and anticipating some of the looks that that a defense could present or that they you know that the Giants in particular and that's why coach Spagnuolo does a good job he presents a variety of looks that you want to make sure you have answers for for your players and it's never perfect there's always going to be things that we can improve on but uh, that being said I thought our guys did a lot of good things as well anytime you're able to create the amount of explosives that they did that's going to lead to you know not having to have 12 to 15 play drives to score points and you know I think uh, we we all like those big plays and, and it's a lot of fun to see those guys make them one of my favorite parts of yesterday's win was the number of Rams fans that made their way down from the upper sections near your bench and the interaction that was going on there in the fourth quarter and it made me think I can't wait for this team to get back in front of the Coliseum because they all count the same right wins and losses no matter where you get them but long term in terms of establishing a home field advantage and making LA a place that teams do not want to come play it seems like the next step the next challenge is bringing that product home to the home crowd that's the hope you know that's the, that's our goal as as a team is is to try to provide this great city with a a team they can be proud of and and you know M- Mr. Crocky he's such a great owner i feel very fortunate to work with him and you know you want to provide him and this city a, a great team that you know they want to show up and, and support and i think we've got a lot of great players that get you excited about watching the way they can you know, if there's one thing you can't say about our team, they're a connected team like we've mentioned, but they also have a swagger and they have fun playing. And that's sometimes I think you get lost in that, that you can still have great focus and concentration, but enjoy competing and have fun doing it. And that's one of the things that I think our team is doing right now. Want to continue to see that theme as we move forward. And, and I think with the types of personalities, but also the ability to lock in and know the difference between having fun and being focused and concentrated on the task at hand, I think they do a good job with that. 
you score on third and 33. Come on. <laughs> Any place you're playing is going to be rocking. Yeah, that's that's a great run by Robert Without Woods being and a touched. lot of great individual efforts. <laughs> you know, that, that, was a, that was a fun one right there. That was a great job by him. I was really pleased and, and happy for Robert, the amount of plays he's made for our offense. But then to get in the end zone twice yesterday, uh, uh, very well deserving of that. When I watched that play back today, my attention gravitated towards the top of that play yeah. where Sammy Watkins almost cleared out the entire side outside the numbers with like a pancake block off the line of scrimmage and then uh, diverts another uh, giant on the way. Um, but to, to make a play like that happen, it, it really does take all 11, doesn't it? It does, and you look at it, and that, that's one of the things that we actually pointed out in the team meeting, JB, is guys competing without the ball. You Clearly you see Whitworth and Saffold make key blocks right. at the point of attack, obviously Cup and Higby at the bottom of the screen, but up top, you know, typically you think I'm on the backside of a perimeter screen thrown away, and, and Sammy, he does. He pancakes the guy that's rolled up on the top of him, and then he's finishing down the field enough to stymie Eli Apple, which ends up being the last guy that was there that could have potentially mm-hmm. prevented Robert from scoring and how excited those guys were for Robert and that success and then you look at it comes back to you when he ends up making the big play uh, on the following drive for the 67 yard touchdown you know those are the types of things that get you excited as a coach because these are these are great examples of what it looks like you know when we're doing it the right way competing with and without the ball and and Sammy you know really been pleased with what he's done is there a special little corner on your play sheet for third down and 30 plus <laughs> yeah that's a uh let's let's just try to see if we can get in field goal range right there that's there's there's not too many plays that you feel great about in third and 33 but uh certainly good players make you look like a good coach and that's what our guys did yesterday all right our first time out here on the coach mcveigh show looking ahead to week 10 coming home to the coliseum finally the rams at six and two to begin the second half of their schedule. We'll dive into the offense, more on Robert Woods, more on Jared Goff's career day on the other side as we continue from Cal Lutheran on ESPN LA. Goff goes under center after audibling. He turns right shoulder, gives to Gurley, hit behind the line, fighting for the goal line, and he rides a surge in for the touchdown. Touchdown, Todd Gurley. Touchdown, LA. To open the second half, the Rams go 75 yards and take a 33-10 lead. It was a two-touchdown day for Todd Gurley. Over 100 yards of total offense from scrimmage as we continue with the Coach McVay show. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long with the head coach, Sean McVay. And as we spend this segment on your offense, once again leading the league in scoring, uh, I wrote down a comment you made to the media assembled here in Thousand Oaks about an hour ago. It's about the ball. And you can't help but notice that when you do take care of the ball, your team is undefeated this season. And that was the case again in wet conditions in New York. Yeah, that's a key thing. And we, we, you know, really just when you look at the history of this league, obviously other than points there's no greater indicator of winner winning and losing in this league than turnovers and for us fortunately our defense is doing an excellent job taking the ball away our special teams you know you look going back to the Dallas game they've got a turnover and um, you know a couple of those block punts that they've had but we got to take great care of the football offensively even when we've been even in the turnover differential you know we're 6-0 and this year there's been a couple games where we were even and then in the other four wins we've had uh, we were in the plus, but then the two losses that we did have, we were minus three against Seattle, minus two against Washington. So for our players, it's a great example of, of showing kind of what we talk about and then how that, that does end up, end up translating. And I think they've really done a nice job of, of being attentive to that, and that's something that's going to be a point of emphasis for us moving forward into these last eight weeks. I, I know it doesn't show up. I mean, when you look at the numbers, but Eli Manning is a competitor, and you're going to have to beat it out of him to win a football game. But taking the ball away from him, stopping those drives to give the ball back to you, I thought was a phenomenal job by your defense. 
It was excellent, and they forced three turnovers. You look at Aaron Donald and how disruptive he was to be able to force a couple of those. Alec Ogletree with a great – he did a great job, you know, on the one where he's got the back stood up, rakes it out of there, leads to a turnover, and then Tremaine Johnson with the pick on the third down and 10 where he kind of undercuts an in-breaking route. It was a great contested catch. And when you get three turnovers like that, especially in the first half, and then you're able to translate that to 17 points offensively, that's huge. And, and, the, and those points end up being big for us, and they end up usually being the difference in winning and losing football games. And, and our defense has been playing really good football lately. Very pleased with them. Several career highs for your quarterback, Jared Goff. Was it the best game he's played under your watch? I think he's played a, a couple good games right now. I thought it was the most complete game in terms of just managing things as well because what I think a lot of people don't realize is that when we run the football efficiently, a lot of that is a credit to him as well, being able to run, you know, because typically you're going to give him a couple options and you know you want to avoid running into certain looks, and, and he kept it clean for the most part. I thought he did a great job managing the huddle, getting in and out, controlling the tempo of the game, and any time that you come away with 51 points offensively uh, when your quarterback's leading the way, he's obviously playing really good football, four touchdowns, no turnovers, uh, completing you know a bunch of big, Paul, big plays down the field. You look at Sammy, but then I think you also see great individual efforts referenced by he Todd with a 40-yard screen pass. Then you look at what uh, Robert Woods did so he's he's playing really good football getting a lot of different guys involved and and that's a credit to Jared and anytime your quarterback is playing at that level uh, you feel pretty good about what you're doing offensively and you didn't have to burn timeouts early <laughs> I didn't I did not have to burn timeouts I was glad I didn't have to answer those questions right <laughs> after the game but you know really there was a couple plays you look at the one the the red zone touchdown to Robert Woods it kind of had expired Jared had such a great ownership on what play we were specifically running there that he kind of knew it and was able to take command and you look at you've got a motion it's ticking down and really it wasn't even close but that's a credit to the players urgency their situational awareness and then Jared's command so uh, that was good it was a step in the right direction that is a a thing that you know all jokes aside that I've got to do a better job with and and I think it was a step in the right direction for us this is the coach McVay show DeMarco Farr JB Long and Sean McVay at the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks midway point of your first season together with Jared Goff is there anything you've learned about him Uh, here now in early November, that maybe going back to the preseason or training camp, you weren't sure what you had at the quarterback position. Yeah, I I don't know that you're saying you're not sure. I just think that these opportunities, when you actually play games together, gives you a better uh, understanding of each other because that's when you you start to see when there's real pressure situations other than what you try to mimic and emulate in OTAs and Mm -hmm. training camp practices. And I said it before, our coaching staff, we talk about it all the time, is is just his mental toughness. Uh, Even-keeled demeanor, I think that disposition, and that demeanor rubs off on his teammates where no matter what the circumstances are, he's very got, he's got that great confidence about himself no matter what has happened before and it doesn't affect his ability to move forward towards the rest of the game. You know, And he's kind of always got that next play mindset mentality and, and he expects to compete and he's definitely fearless. You know, He certainly isn't afraid to fail. He attacks success and that's what you want your leader on offense to do and that's one of the things that I think makes Jared special and, and is going to make him special. Uh, he doesn't get to shake you off, right? The play that comes in, he runs, right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes he gets to. Unless he really wants to get an earful. (laughs) (laughs) But is that that the next progression for quarterbacks? I mean, when they completely take ownership of the offense? You know, I think, you know, that's a question. That's a great question, DeMarco, because I think there are certain guys that would like to say, give me some different options. And, And our offense does have the ability to do that. Uh, but then there's also some things where we could get up, we've got uh, you know some options at our disposal, and then really we just want to be on the same page. 
Uh, in terms of guys that have, you know, you talk about calling your own plays and things like that, those are things that we get more and more comfortable with as we move forward. And, and some guys might tell you, yeah, I'd like to do that, that are great players. And then there's others where they say, let me have the play and I'll go operate it and execute it versus a variety of looks. So I've actually had that conversation with some of the great quarterbacks where some guys like that ownership and then others who are extremely special Hall of Fame caliber players say, you know, I could just appreciate the fact, give me an all-purpose play and I'll make it right regardless of whatever defensive look I get as opposed to having to say, all right, let me process the defense, let me make the play call and do all that. You know, so I think it's kind of at the quarterback's preference, but how we operate just offensively right now, uh, he and I are very much on the same page. He definitely does have some audible responsibility and he's done a really good job so far. On that Sammy Watkins touchdown we heard at the top of this segment, Jared said afterwards that was the first time that Sammy had run that route. Can yeah. you kind of take us inside that? How does that come to pass? He had run, you know, we've run versions of that route, you know, that specific where you're in a bunch formation and that type of half roll, but we've run them on that, you know, that corner post before. Uh, we had a, we had a chance to maybe tag a double move element to it where he was either going to just run to the back pylon or he was going to lean it and take it over the top. The way that their safeties were playing earlier in that game dictated that we felt like, all right, the double move was going to be the way uh, to kind of be able to try to have, a you know, a big play down the field. But, you know, he's thrown that, you know, maybe not that specific where you're in a three-by-one bunch formation. They've thrown that route before, and, you know, if, if that is the case, then maybe we shouldn't practice, right? <laughs> 61 air yards, though. I mean, I, I've covered your quarterback since his college days, but that ball was maybe the most impressive downfield. I've seen him let it rip. Yeah, and the thing that I think you see about Jared on that play, too, is it's not really stress. You know, he just came through it with a nice natural stroke. Right. He got a little bit more into it, but he came over the top. Ball turned over perfectly on him, and you look at Sammy's ability to track the ball down the field, but he's got a big arm. You see why he's the number one overall pick, the talent and just the size. He plays tall in the pocket. He's got the ability to create off schedule, so all those things are there. You know, you, you, you're just glad to see it show up uh, in a game where now it really counts. I've seen him make those types of throws uh, pretty consistently throughout the offseason program and then in training camp and then in practices. He made some really good deep ball throws last week in practice, and I think it was a good example of kind of that practice preparation equaling the game reality yesterday. We're up against the clock, but real quickly to wrap up this offensive segment, I thought an underrated part of the win is you're coming off a bye and your elder statesmen get to rest in the fourth quarter in the game after a bye to players like Whitworth and Sullivan with a snap count in the low 40s. That has to bode well in terms of personnel management going in the back half of a schedule. It's good. You know, anytime that you're able to get some of those guys out and, and get some of these younger guys an opportunity to play and compete is, is always, uh, you know, it means that things are going well during that game. And, uh, you know, for those guys to be healthy and sustained for 16 games, it's a reason why they've played so long. But I think it's, a, I think it's great for both the younger guys to get an opportunity and for those guys mm -hmm. to kind of be a little bit fresher going into next week's game against Houston, which we know is going to be a tough battle. So uh, certainly a lot of positives from that. Still ahead on the Coach McVeigh Show, we'll take a peek ahead to Houston at the Coliseum. We'll also have your questions in a segment we call Audibles, but next we'll dive into the defense and special teams on the Coach McVeigh Show, live from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. Punch is blocked! The Rams get there and it's recovered inside the 20. Corey Littleton who blocked a punt in Jacksonville that led to a touchdown, does it again here in New York. 
on the one in New York was so impressive, too, because he came through cleanly, and Brad Wing's a lefty punter, and he came from his right side and managed to block the football, didn't rough the punt, none of that. I mean, it was just textbook stuff. You could tell that Bones Fossil uh, and his special teams groups really put the bye week, the extra time to use, didn't they, going to New York? They did. He's a special coach, and, and he put his guys in a great spot right there. And you look at Corey Littleton, what a great year he's had for our special teams and then been a good contributor on defense. But I think he's playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level, you know, in terms of what that special team's role entails. And, you know, he's had two blocks this year, but that one yesterday was special. You look at Samson, kind of they were just on a little twist game. He's the penetrator, and Corey comes around, no wasted motion. And then you talk about to lay out in a, in a position where if you miss, you're going to be safe and not, not rough the punter. But then when you catch it clean, there's no better sound when we're yeah. on the punt block unit than that. And uh, and that was what, that was a great play by those guys. Really happy to see that. That's music, the old double thud, right? Yeah, unless you're punting. What school do you go to, Marco, by the way? Uh, I think he's a uh, Husky. Okay, yeah. yeah I told it's you, we're the mortar of football. You need us everywhere. I mean, but two blocks in three games. That's right. Actually, in honor of Corey, the, the Jacksonville play was called the Husky Special. See, I told you. When he blocked nice. the There you go. Remember like that. that. The Husky Special. There you go. Farrell uh, uh, Cooper on returns your entire special teams, your return unit. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, Farrell Cooper, I thought we were talking, the best play he made. I mean, the reverse field, that oh, yeah. was great. You had yep. one that was called back, but the one that he let go, and then went to block immediately and yep. got the touchback. Yep. I thought that was phenomenal. Big time. you know, and, and that's guys understanding situations, understanding that let's make sure the only person that could pin us down in a backed-up situation is that last gunner that gets down there, and he clears him out, and that enables the ball to go in so you get it for a touchback. But Farrell's been a baller in, in the return game. He's done a great job bringing a spark, but both as a kick returner and a punt returner. Uh, you see the competitor in him. You look at when the ball's in his th- hands, good things have happened. Even the screen that he makes on the third down later in the game, that's a great individual effort where you see the toughness embodied where he's got a lot of pursuit coming inside out puts his foot in the ground and gets vertical and it's third and eight and we get nine and, and that's what Farrell kind of just does mm-hmm. and that's why he's been such a good player throughout the course of his career been really pleased with him and and he's been a very important part of why that return game has been uh, playing at such a high level and and, and uh, you know going to continue to see good things from him to come I think. Bottom of the hour here on the Coach McVay Show. We're live from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. His group undefeated on the road. That includes a trip to London. Now they come home to the Coliseum to face the Houston Texans. Spending a little bit of time on special teams here, clearly, and defense as well since the half at Dallas. I mean, your unit has been one of the best defenses in the league. Haven't had a chance to ask you about Alec Ogletree because we've been on the road and his contract extension and all those things, but it seems like Wade has tapped into this ability to rush the passer that in previous eras of, of Rams football we hadn't necessarily seen from Alec. What is it about him that makes him such a good quarterback pressure? Well, I think the you know even going back to the offseason program, you know, credit to Wade. One of the first things that he identified when you're just studying the personnel and the players on our roster is what a good blitzer Ogletree was yeah. when he's done it. He's got a great feel for how to work edges on people. Unbelievable timing in terms of hitting those blitzes based on when the ball's going to be snapped with the cadence. And, and some of those guys, certain players just have a great feel yeah. for the game, and he's one of those guys. And and I think credit to Wade, he's put him in a lot of good spots, and then Alec is delivering. But what else we've been really pleased with is his leadership, his communication, whether it be calling the things in the huddle and then managing some of the adjustments that maybe a formation or an offensive personnel grouping dictates from the defensive standpoint. And he's truly embodied kind of one of those leadership roles and what he does both on and off the field, the way that he goes about his weekly process and and preparation. And and we're very pleased to get that extension done for Alec because of what he means to our organization and what he will mean moving forward for many years to come. But uh, he's he's done a really nice job, and, and I think he's getting a good feel and an ownership on kind of how that 
Mike linebacker position operates under Wade's, you know, in Wade's system. Well, he gets a hell of a lesson out of you in practice. Yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a bigger, you know, mind game than facing you in practice making him chase ghosts all, all over the field. <laughs> well, yeah, we give him those good looks, you know, in, in the training camp and the OTAs. And, and like you know, DeMarco, you know, a lot of times we'll do some competitive stuff here and there, but a lot of it is predicated on what is the upcoming opponent going to do and, and what's our game plan for them that given week. And I've really just been impressed with uh, how he's able to kind of just take it week to week, one day at a time, take an ownership on what that offense presents and know the situations. You look at the timely blitz that he kind of hit something on the move that led to, um, you know, Tyron Walker making a big play on, on a run going to the left side. You look at the strip where he forces the turnover, and, and then you go back to the Arizona game, some of the plays that he made, the third down stop where they motioned the back to empty. He's shown up consistently, and I think he's playing really good ball these last few weeks. In front of him, Aaron Donald might be the best player in football yet again. I know this is your first year with him, but uh, I, I can't help but be impressed by the buy-in he's shown. Thank God you have him. Yeah, understanding yeah. what he's going through this summer and where he's at in terms of his future and his financials. None of that seems to be a factor on Sunday. No, and, and he's a guy that loves football, and that's the one thing that you, you see with Aaron immediately. As soon as you get around him, I've always had such a huge amount of respect for him as a player and what I've heard about him as a person, and then you get around him, and I think that even you know increases. You watch the way that he practices. You watch the way he prepares. He's one of the last guys in here. He's got his weekly rhythm that he's very comfortable with, and he loves football, and, and he understands that you know he's one of those special players that you see the intrinsic motivation match up with the special talent, and uh, those are those are rare qualities, and it's a rare combination, and it's why you get a player of his caliber. And he's definitely done a great job of making a huge impact on our defense, playing so well since that Dallas game, like you pointed out. And uh, I could go on and on about those guys and and really what those what they've done in terms of helping our defense and our team play at an extremely high level. I've got him down for two sacks. I know there was a penalty that erased one, but. Yep. That's really two sacks. It was. You know, he, he, he got there. He forced another fumble. Eli fell back on that one. But he's influencing and affecting the game in a lot of different ways. And I think uh, sometimes what doesn't still show up on the stat sheet, just being able to affect the quarterback, move him off his spot, uh, and then knowing how he affects the way that you have to protect and, and certain things like that, uh, it, you feel fortunate to have Aaron on your side. Jermaine Johnson got his second interception of the season yesterday. I mean, it takes his body type, his skill set to get that one. But when, it, when he made the pick, I was reminded that uh, he made a comment on the sideline in London, remember that he's been waiting his whole career to play with an offense like this. Like he is, <laughs> he is so happy to have kind of the support from that side of the football. What are you hearing from Tremaine Johnson day in and day out? Tremaine's been great. You know, really pleased with Tremaine to be able to make that play yesterday. But, you know, not exclusive to Tremaine. I think we talk about being a connected team. Guys are supportive of each other, and they get really excited to see each other's success. Uh, you talk about Corey Littleton and the block he had. Watch the sideline copy and guys running on the field to congratulate them how happy they are for their teammates. Uh, when offense scores or when defense gets a turnover, the excitement that the guys have for each other is what I think is special about it. And that's what, where you you know you can kind of just feel that positive energy and juice on the sideline when good things happen. And also I think what even demonstrates it even more is when bad things happen, the way they pick each other up. Uh, whether it be an offense making a mistake, defense, hey, we got you on this, or special teams, and, and and that, to me, is what represents a mentally tough team more than anything else. You know, it's easy to be good in the good times, but how do you respond and handle the bad times and find a way to continue to stay connected through that inevitable adversity that you will face throughout the course of an NFL 16-game season? Uh, but Tremaine has been a, a great contributor, uh, you know, very, very pleased with him, and that was a big-time play on third down and 10 to be able to make that pick. You're right. It, it took all that length and, mm-hmm. and those ball skills, and, the, and that's why he's a special corner. Tremendous. There was some ugly stuff that happened throughout the league, a couple of fights. It got real 
little chippy towards the end of the first half, but I did like that your players came in and got your guys out and into the locker room. They did. You know, everybody's so important, and we couldn't afford to lose anybody right there. It's a competitive game. Guys are all prideful, and uh, any time, I don't know exactly what led to that skirmish, but I but I did know that, uh, to our players' credit, they got it separated. We got into the locker room, and then, it you know, it wasn't anything where you're watching it on SportsCenter, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you're just glad that you got good players that handled it the right way. Next on the Coach McFay Show, Audibles, your direct line to the head coach with questions from social media. We'll continue from Thousand Oaks. Two more segments to go on the Week 10 edition of the Coach McFay Show here on ESPN LA. Third down and 10 for Manny. He looks near side. He drills it. Tremaine Johnson makes the pick at the 30. He reached up with two hands above his helmet and plucked it out of the air for an interception. The third turnover this Rams defense has created in the opening half and the Rams are teed up at the Giants' 30-yard line. And the Rams do beat Eli Manning for the first time in his career. Going into that contest, L.A. was the only NFC franchise that Eli Manning had never lost to. So good to put that history behind us and move on to the second half of the season. Week 10 coming your way at the Coliseum. The Houston Texans and the Rams hope you'll join us with L.A. at 6-2 and two and atop the NFC West. This is the Coach McVay Show. J.B. Long, DeMarco Farr, and the head coach, Sean McVay, live from the Rams facility. And we are set for audibles. Your direct line to the head coach. Questions submitted on social media for Sean McVay. Coach, you ready? I don't know, am I? I know. We'll find out. <laughs> I'll start you on an easy note. Tori Rodriguez on Twitter. How does it feel to finally get Robert Woods in the end zone? And parenthetically here, we all know he scored in Dallas. Okay? Yes, but that's, that's officially, what I, that's I officially. Uh, Very happy for Robert. He's been such a great contributor to our offense as a whole. Uh, not just as a receiver, but you look at what he's doing without the ball in his hands as well. He kind of epitomizes, you know, what it looks like to be a, to be a true pro from that receiver spot. He sets a great example for a lot of our younger receivers in that room day in and day out. And then you look at his first touchdown as a Ram, that was certainly a, a big-time job by him, you know, being able to convert on third down and 33 and the run after the catch. He had some great blocks on the perimeter as well, but he showed some long juice to be able to finish that play and go back. He was a big-time 200-meter runner, uh, very competitive in the state, and, and he, he's, he's got that speed. I, I pulled out a word I haven't said in years. He was booking. He was booking. <laughs> he was rolling. He was rolling. Yeah. yeah, you could see he had the strength to finish. You know, a lot of guys kind of get you get a, your hamstrings get a little bit tight after you've <laughs> run that long, but he got stronger, and it was a big-time play by Robert and, and uh, a play we were very pleased with, and I thought it gave our team a huge spark right there. To Instagram, Brad Mater asks, where did you come up with that hitch and pitch play that was called in the red zone? Almost looked like you pulled it from the movie Little Giants. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I, I got to give credit to Shane Waldron, our tight end coach. He's, he's a special coach, very creative. He kind of came up with the idea. He's run something similar to that in college. And actually, you know, you always try to find little ways of adjusting and adapting. The Jets actually hit the Rams on something similar to that last year uh, at MetLife, if you guys remember, mm-hmm. on a touchdown play. But uh, Rams came away with the win there, and, and uh, fortunately yesterday worked out for us. But that was that's credit to Shane Waldron and, and a great idea by him. He kind of gets an advance on the red zone preparation and planning, and he's a great coach. What does that do for the future when everything you're calling is working, pretty much? Yeah, well, you know, the, it's a credit to the players, and I, and I think we've got a great coaching staff that, you know, we all collaborate to kind of figure out the game plan. And, and he, he uh, you know, our players made a lot of things look good yesterday, and uh, when you can get some more opportunities or when you're able to create some of those big plays, 
plays, uh, seems things seem to be going very well, and, and, and uh, that's what we had going yesterday, and, and real credit to the players. I thought this was a good follow-up from Tyler Clark on Twitter. Coach, how many new plays on average do you install each week for a new opponent? How much are they practiced? Are they brand new? Things along those lines. That's a great question. Uh, it depends on the opponent. You know, we'll carry things over week to week, you know, especially yesterday. Uh, because we were able to run some of the plays that we wanted to get into that game plan, but then there were still a handful of things that maybe we didn't get to just because we didn't have the amount of volume in a typical game. And then the way that it kind of played out, once you get into the third quarter, you're kind of thinking, okay, let's start to use some clock. And it's a little bit different approach just based on the, what the score was. Uh, but, you know, we, we, you know, we segment our game plan where really you look, we've got basically three core days of preparation with Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because the play, today we get the players in, they clean up the game plan for, or they clean up the game from the previous day. Tuesday represents their day off. And then on Wednesday, it's kind of your core first and second down plan. We'll get a couple priority third downs in. And then Thursday represents third down, two minutes, some of your short yardage. And then on Friday, big red zone emphasis. So it's kind of segmented, but in terms of the new plays, it's hard to put a specific number on it. We might have some tweaks to uh, things that are in our playbook, but you don't ever really try to put in too many new plays. The red zone is probably where those the majority of the new plays come in just because it's such a specific area of the field. Uh, Blue Blood Rams on Twitter. What factors into the decision to pull starters, including the quarterback Jared Goff, in a situation where a game may be in hand in your favor? Uh, you know, being able to get guys an opportunity to play and then keep guys healthy, you know, moving into the next week. And, and once you feel like the game is, is pretty much secure based on the score and then the confidence you have in the other guys to come in and step up and, and, and finish it out. So there's a lot of different factors, but you certainly rely on your other coaches, uh, you know, based on guys' health. So a lot of different factors. But what we did, you know, with about 10 minutes left in that game, just looking at what the score was, we thought it, it provided an opportunity to get some of our other guys, some some of the players that – maybe aren't in those starters' roles, a chance to get some experience in, in, in playing time, and, and it served us well. I'm looking at your third down numbers. 50% acceptable number to you? or 50% will lead the league right now. You know, yeah. we're, we're at 49, and, and we're leading the league you know, on third down conversions. So if you're at 50%, you feel pretty good about that. Typically, when you look just over the history of the, of the years, some of those teams that have been really good, usually the teams that are leading the league are right in that 50 area. And, uh, you know, we've got high goals and high expectations. But if you consistently do that, you know, but you always do try to break it down, you know, individually. But when you get some third and 33 conversions and things <laughs> like that, things are going well for you. And, you know, Malcolm Brown makes a couple – you know, you look at Tavon, he had a big third down run, Cooper, you know, Farrell Cooper and a lot of good things yesterday. But 50 is, is, a, is a number that will get you in, in a good spot in terms of where you fit in the league. Uh, Gavin Parberry on Twitter. I've noticed in interviews that some players call you Sean, not coach. Is that going to be true five years from now? I, you know, I think whatever they're comfortable calling me. You know, the, the nice thing about the NFL is you're dealing with a bunch of grown men as well, whether they want to call me coach uh, or whether they want to call me Sean. It certainly doesn't matter to me. Either way, I'm totally good with that. Um, Wade always jokes, though. It's kind of funny when he says, don't call me coach or I'll just call you player. You know, <laughs> call me Coach Wade or Wade or, you know, I don't care what it is. But uh, it, that certainly doesn't bother me, and, and that's not something that I, that I really pay close attention to. This is the Coach McVeigh Show, Coach Sean McVeigh here on ESPN LA, and we're previewing Week 10 at the Coliseum against the Houston Texans. Uh, Andrew Kelly, Twitter. Uh, Sammy finally hit his home run play on Sunday. Was that something you were looking for coming in or just saw it open up as the game went on? 
that was something that we were looking for. And really, every every week, we're going to try to find ways to push the ball down the field. And when you've got a player like Sammy, you always want to try to you know have things like that in your game plan. There's certainly been some other games. You go back to the San Francisco game where he makes a great play over his shoulder. So uh, that'll be something that we'll consistently try to do throughout the course of the regular season. You know, even going into these last eight weeks. But that's not exclusive to just deep balls. But it was a great play by he and Jared right there. Great protection. Uh, and any time that you have a play like that, uh, it, it was it was really gratifying for those guys and really happy for them to be able to make a big-time play like that. I tell people all the time, regardless if the ball is going to him or not, he still affects coverage. He absolutely does, and he's a very good football player. You can see the speed that he's got to make plays down the field. He's made a lot of great intermediate catches for us this year, and he's a very good receiver and, and glad to have him on our side. Uh, James Kroger, Instagram. How do you keep egos in check while having so much success so far mm, this season? Great question. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got good players and good guy, good people, you know. And I think everybody is moving in the same direction. They understand that our goal is to is to make sure that every single day we're focused on getting better, and then that hopefully gives us an opportunity to to come away with a win on Sundays when we compete. And we've got guys that are all moving in that same direction. They want to see each other succeed. They know that if we're doing the little things the right way, everybody kind of shares and that success and and uh, it's about having good people and we talk about our football character all the time and we've got a lot of men in that locker room that have high football character and I think that's served us well so far and the good PR department helps too right artist is phenomenal Just saying yeah helps out a lot outstanding <laughs> uh, one more to, to follow up here because we were across the pond in London and UK Rams Nation on social media asks uh tongue-in-cheek are you available to coach me through life <laughs> probably not you're, yeah. you're a bit occupied but seriously what lesson have you learned uh since being a head coach uh, that you value the most so far yeah i think it's uh not being afraid to admit to mistakes you want to continue to try to make good sound decisions based on the information and then you know you always want to make sure that you're making decisions that have the team in mind first and that can be that can be difficult but i think that's how you earn respect over time is you know the sound decisions not being afraid to admit to mistakes and and then doing a good job of always making decisions that are consideration for the team and our organization, you know, before our own personal agendas. And if we consistently do that, and, and I've been around so many good people. You look at this building just all around, whether, it, no, all jokes aside, you look at Artis and his department, you look at Reggie Scott, you look at Ted Rath, you look at our coaching staff, Les and his staff. Uh, we got a lot of great people in this organization. It makes you want to continue to work that much harder and try to do your part in hopefully having us, uh, you know, be able to have some success over time. All right, that was Audible's. Thanks for your submissions on social media. And, Coach, thank you for uh, being willing to take questions from our audience. We'll continue with the Coach McVay Show on to Week 10 and the Houston Texans next to wrap it up from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA. All right, cannot wait to get back to the Coliseum this Sunday. Hope you'll join us for the Texans and the Rams. We continue with the Coach McVay Show live from Thousand Oaks. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, unbeaten on the road and glad to be back home, Sean McVay. All right, I know we're going to focus solely on the Texans, only the Texans, but I can't help but look at the NFC playoff standings and note that it basically reads like your upcoming schedule, right? I mean, after Houston – uh, New Orleans is there. The Vikings are there. The Eagles are there. Does that kind of uh, help calibrate the second half of this schedule and what's ahead to get to where you want to go to know that the teams you have to beat to get there are straight ahead? Yeah, I think we know we play a lot of great teams in our remaining schedule. But like you said, you know, our focus is solely on the Houston Texans. Uh, we certainly have a feel for just what's going on because you enjoy following the league and, and seeing these other teams play at such an efficient level. But right now our focus is on how can we get to our seventh win, and, and that's going to be a great challenge against Houston this weekend. How much have they changed without Deshaun Watson? 
on offense. Yeah, they're different, you know, because so much of what they were doing offensively was geared towards his skill set, and that's what you do when you've got a special player like him. But, uh, you know, there's always still going to be elements of, you know, your offense and your foundation in terms of how you drop back, throw the football, uh, some of the core run principles that you have, some of the third down concepts. So you'll still see some of those same things with Tom Savage, but I think you see some of the, you know, the play actions and the zone read element and the different things are what, you know, make that offense uh what is was so special with what Deshaun was doing but Tom Savage is a very capable NFL starter and, and our defense has got to be ready to go against a great coach and Bill O'Brien in that scheme seeing the rash of injuries in New York and now here again in Houston with J.J. Watt or Merciless or Watson it must really make you appreciate what your group in-house has done to take care of themselves and to take care of each other they've done a great job you know Reggie Scott and his training staff I think are second to none and feel very fortunate to have them and the players have followed their plan very closely and, and it's really helped us so far Final thought, DeMarco. Uh, congratulations. So far, so good. One game at a time, right? Yes, yeah, sir. We won't talk. We won't talk about playoffs yet. You know it. Yeah, yeah. One game at a time. <laughs> Got to get to seven right now, and that's that's all our goal is. Well, congratulations on just an unbelievable road trip with double-digit victories across the board and tough places to play under adverse circumstances. Uh, you should be rewarded with a great crowd. I hope everyone will join us to to celebrate this team and to uh, kick off the second half. Thanks, Thanks Sean. guys. Appreciate it. All right, coming up, Trojan Live next year on ESPN LA.